Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hope you guys are having a great Saturday. Scott Romine here. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics in the world, Elvis Presley. We're talking with spa guy Billy Stallings. How are you, Billy? Man, I'm fantastic. How about yourself? I good. It's always great to talk to you. You have the best YouTube channel on all of YouTube, the Spa Guy. Is uh is that is there a website or, or do you want to tell people where they can find you? Well you just go uh you put spa guy in, S D A like hot tubs, guy like dude, G U I. And if you put Elvis in, it'll pull up over five hundred videos. And that's the easiest way to find me. Just go to YouTube and put Spy Guy and Elvis in. And I do other videos as well. You know, I, I, I like history, so I do a lot of different history subjects. But Elvis is something that I became fascinated with as a teenager, you know, as a kid, 12, 13 years old. And the it's the story that keeps on giving. You know, even all these years later, uh, it's still interesting to me, and, and we're still finding out new things that that you never knew before, you know. Oh, sure. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, we go to, we travel to places. So kind of my deal is, if I can find a photograph or a story about Elvis being somewhere, I try to go to that place. And show you the photograph of the way it looked then and what it looks like now and kind of tell the story to try to bring the story back to life, if you will. I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of yours. (laughs) Well, and I appreciate that. You uh, actually were out in where I grew up not very long ago at the old uh, uh, Roy Fisher Steakhouse on Broadway in North Little Rock. My aunt worked there for 18 years, you know. And and Elvis had eaten in there before. They kept the plates. Um, my dad, yeah, my dad and I actually uh, just based on one of your videos, you went and found where Patsy Cline was killed in the airplane. Yeah, my, the airplane. Yeah, crashed. I took my dad. He's a big fan of Patsy Cline to go find that. It's a got a memorial or a little park, I guess, there in that place now. Yeah, and that's close to where Scotty Moore lived, where he grew up. Oh, I didn't know that. buried out there. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Scotty's house. Yeah. I had no idea. And that kind of brings back to what I was talking about is, is when you go to places and you put your eyes on it and you start going, okay, this happened here, that happened there, this happened here. After a while, you and I call it the pieces, that's another piece of the Elvis puzzle. And after a while, that puzzle starts taking shape and making sense. So you kind of almost can get into a person's head or their psyche or start thinking the way they thought, you know, does that make sense? Well, Um, I think you start, you know, taking it from a legend to the real guy, you know, the the character of Elvis too. You start seeing him as the real person that ate in these restaurants and did this and did that. Yeah. That's one of the things that I try to do is make, make Elvis a real person. You know, we have the ambulance at the museum and I didn't restore the ambulance because I think it looked it I think it tells the Elvis story better in its imperfection that Elvis was a real man who really died. You know, yeah. and a lot of people lose sight of that. They they think that this is some kind of 
they they almost put him on a on a godlike pedestal. There's people that that think that he faked his death. There's people that think that they're that the twin didn't die. There's people that think there's triplets. There's people that think there's quadruplets. There's people that I mean, it's just it is the wildest story. the The whole thing's just crazy, and I and uh, there's well, I mean, even they're close to you. There's people that think that Bob Joyce, a pastor just outside yes. of Little Rock, yep, uh, is Elvis, and I'm here to tell you. Bob Joyce is not Elvis, and but there's people that that honestly, in their heart of hearts, believe that that's Elvis, and it's just not. You know, Elvis died. Yeah, and you know, I Billy. It, but that's what happened. I hate it too. But you know, you almost kind of get that impression at Graceland. They don't reinforce that he's gone, and like they, in my opinion, they would probably never display the ambulance and some of the things you have because it would just making too human. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you go in there and start looking, they, they really don't acknowledge that Elvis had a career after about 1974. Yeah, you're right. Now that you with say the, that. Yeah. With the exception of maybe one or two photographs in the museum, there's nothing past that time period because he was good up till about 74. 75 was a decline, 76 was a real decline, 77 was a major decline, you know, sadly, but that's that's the reality of it. He started gaining weight and yeah. having some, you know, he had some serious health issues anyway, and he really started struggling with his weight, which is something that he had really never had issues with. On a large scale. Now, what I mean by that is he would binge eat and then he would binge diet. Yeah, so I've heard that. So his weight would go up and down. You know, it was a roller coaster type thing um, where he would. Uh, and, and I'm a little bit of a binge eater, too. And what I mean by that is if I like something, I'll eat it every day, constantly, constantly, constantly. And I don't do it like I used to, but he did it his whole life. If he liked uh, hamburger steak, for instance, he would eat it every single night. I heard he loved hamburger and, uh, buns. Yes. You know, yeah. something he just loved the buns. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And bread, you know, is, is highly fattening, you know, things like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're right, though. But even if you look at, like, Ed Grayson, if you look at the sundial jumpsuit, it doesn't look like he was that big. No, that's an exaggeration. You know, you'll hear people say that he was 280 pounds. That's not accurate. He was, height-wise, he was about 5'11", which he exaggerated. I think all of us men tend to exaggerate that a little bit. Probably. He was really about 5'11". And if you go back, you'll find records where he said he was six foot. You know... He wanted to be six foot tall. He would put things in his shoes list to make him taller, you know, things like that. But I think in reality, he was about five, five eleven. I'm five ten, okay. and I I weigh about two. Uh, I have been up to two thirty five, somewhere in that neighborhood, mm -hmm. and that's that's chubby. Let's just let's just call it for my <laughs> size, 
for my frame. And, but I'm a I'm big I'm big built anyway, muscular. You know, my body's muscular. He's not really a big built muscular style. You know, his body wasn't. So if he got up to 230, 240, somewhere in that neighborhood, that and that may be even a little more than it was, but 280, 300 is absolutely not accurate. There's just and, no way. Um, He'd have never got that no, sundial suit on at 280. No, he couldn't have. But the reason he wore the sundial all those later concerts, and that's what you were alluding to, was because it was the only one he could fit in. Ah, it did have a big belt yeah. as well. Yeah, and they could let him in and out. But if you go back and look at the photographs, you know, you you uh, mentioned talking about the last year. If you go, they went to Hawaii in, um, was it March? or It was March or April of 77. Yes. And he just does not look well at all. If you see him, he doesn't look like himself. He's just, you know, a person that's bloated. He's just, he's bloated. He's not fat. He's bloated. Mm-hmm. And if he had some some disease in his body and that and those kinds of things that really exacerbated themselves at the end of his life and the the prescription drug use and those things didn't help. No, you know, with that, with those kinds of issues, you know, it it really um, amplified the the effects of of that of the diseases he had in his body. Basically, he. The human body has 11 systems in it. He has disease in nine of those 11 systems. Oh, gosh. i got to take a quick break. Uh, we're talking with Spa Guy. Billing Stallings will be right back here on Guatney Unplugged. You're listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine. Brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group. Hey, Scott Romine here. We're talking with Spa Guy, Billy Stallings. Find him on YouTube. He's got an awesome YouTube channel. We're talking about the last year of Elvis Presley's life. And you were saying that there was uh, how many systems in the body? 11 that he had disease? 11. Actually, 11. He had disease in 9 of 11. That's right. Really? And some of those systems he had disease in as a child. Yes. Well, I've always heard that he, he had a lot of issues. That he he had like an extended bowel or something that could have been rectified with a surgery, but he just was like too macho. He was not going to go in the hospital and have a surgery. Yes, is that yeah, true? He had some some serious uh, uh, He had some serious issues with that system. Yes, man. And you know, yeah. I've I've heard that in his last year, Elvis would sleep for days at a time. Is that true? Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm gonna say seventy six and seventy seven. Yeah. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, he would just go home and get in there. Well, I mean, there's an instance where the band went set up. They were trying to get um, Felton Jarvis was trying to get him to record some songs for the movie Blue album. Okay. They ended up creating the album by using like they used a. Uh, 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 a clip from the Ann Arbor show uh, where he sat down at the piano. You've seen it. He's wearing the sundial suit and he's playing, um, um, come on, Billy. I'm trying to think. Unchained melody. He's playing unchained melody and Charlie's standing there. That when you see that now, what you saw there is not the Ann Arbor show, but the sound that you hear on the booty blue record is from the Ann Arbor show. I gotcha. And, and so Felton was trying to get him to record 
So they would go set up actually in the racquetball court, the band would. And they sat there for days waiting for Elvis to come down and he just never did. Mm. You know, so they did all kinds of things to get him to record. He came to Nashville and stayed at the Sheraton over uh, on Harding and Trousdale on the corner. It's, got, it's torn down now. It's a, uh, now it's like a Walgreens there. But he stayed there for three days, and the band was at um, at a uh, recording studio over in Berry Hill, which was owned by Buzz Kaysen is his name. And uh, there's two different stories. There's a story that Elvis never showed up. There's a story that Jerry Shep, the bass player, tells that Elvis came in there, uh, knocked the pizza box off in the floor, and left Matt. Now, really? I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe that Elvis ever came. From what I can find, just talking to different people, uh, he just didn't feel up to it and ended up going back to uh, Memphis. He stayed there, basically stayed, slept up in the, they had a like a penthouse type thing. And it wasn't a very big hotel. Sadly, I never got to film it before it got torn down, and I can't find really any photos of it. Other than in my mind, I remember seeing it, uh, and I didn't even think about Elvis staying there when I saw it. I just saw it driving by, you know, uh, occasionally when I was down in that area. And he um, just did not feel up to it and flew back. Um, <laughs> and I think, I believe that was 77, and I'm, I'm going from memory, uh, but I think Ginger was with him when that happened. Um uh, and I would have to, to study that, but I, I'm pretty sure that Ginger was with him and they just never left the hotel. Let me he ask just you, was not well. Uh, he just wasn't, you know. Uh, what was the significance of this TV special filmed in June of 77? What was the original tent? And, and is it several concerts that people are watching? Uh you know, I think that's one, and it may be the Ann Arbor show. I was just thinking that I may have been wrong about that. It may be an Ann Arbor. Or Grand Rapids, um, I think, might be part of that. Yeah, it may be a compilation of several different things. I know that on the Moody Blue album, it, I did a video with a guy named Rick Cross. Actually, we ran into Rick. He's a friend of mine who lives in Las Vegas that's very knowledgeable about Elvis. And, and I'll say this. I'm more knowledgeable about Elvis events and things like that. I don't know very much about the recordings. That's not my forte. Some sure. people, man, they can go, yes, this record was that, and that was this, and this was that. I don't know about that part of the history. Uh, but what happened is Trey and I, my sidekick, uh, Globetrotting with Trey is his YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. We were in Ann Arbor, Michigan recently filming, and we and Rick happened to be there going to a college football game at the Big House you know, the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And uh, we met up with him, and he knew that we were um, that we were there, and he mentioned, well, you know, this is where this song from this record came. That's the only reason I would even I gotcha. venture to know something like that. Uh, but he knows about the ins and outs of where everything is recorded. But I do know that Felton was, was fighting Elvis, more or less, trying to get him to record songs to finish this record. And he ended up having to um, to just find things to stick on there because he couldn't get him to record. 
Mm. I've heard that there's an uncut version of that TV special where Elvis made some off-color jokes and things that, of course, never I aired. I wouldn't doubt it. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, <laughs> and I would think, oh, he he did a lot of off-color stuff. I mean, if you go back, there's this thing, they call it Desert Storm, um, where he was uh, on stage. I believe he was in the Hilton. And, and man, he just goes nuts on, on somebody. He's mad. And he's saying it into the microphone. It's, it's real, well recorded. I did a video about it with a guy named Keith Alverson. Uh-huh. He is a famous, uh, legendary photographer. Yes. He went to like 75 Elvis concerts and, and took pictures at about 50 of them. And iconic, juicy, beautiful pictures. Oh, yeah. cameras in these venues and Keith was there. He witnessed Elvis say that stuff. And he was saying that uh people were saying that he was strung out and that you couldn't trust the the bellboys and the maids at the at the um hotel and you know, those kinds of things. That he he almost sounded paranoid, you know, at yeah. that, at that point. And um but that's they call that they call that Desert Storm. So if you look up Spa Guy and Desert Storm and Elvis, you'll find Keith talking about what happened. And I don't play the audio there. You can easily find it. I keep my channel clean. I don't, you know, loud right. and that kind of stuff on there because I want people to be able to listen to it with their kids and, and not, you know, have to worry if they're watching it around family members. But, um, I did talk to Keith about that, where he describes what it was like being in the room when that was going on, and everybody just kind of looking around like, what the world is going <laughs> on, you know? Well, drugs yeah. will make you paranoid, you know? Yeah, and that was that was early, too. I think Desert Storm happened, uh, I'm going to say 70, I'm going to say 74, uh, from memory. Some of this stuff I can remember off the top of my head, but some of it, man, it really runs together. I know there's an account where, like, uh, an employee that he really liked got fired from the hotel, and Elvis yes. made his thoughts known during a show. Is that right? He did several things there. Another thing that he did was he, uh, one night, they had a, from the, what I gathered, this happened, they had some kind of a fire drill. So they went down um, out of the, you know, everybody was supposed to leave the hotel. He goes, him and Red go down into the showroom, and he gets Red to climb over a fence and get some black paint. And they have these white statues in there uh, in the showroom at the Hilton, and he actually painted those statues black. <laughs> and they say that that was in protest because they didn't allow uh, black people to stay at that hotel, even though they were stay they were in his band. And Elvis didn't like and, that. Um, and Elvis did not care for that. No. And right. so that was his protest on that, that that kind of thing. Those kinds of things came up several times in his career, and he stood up for those. Yes, he did. Every single time. Yeah, he did. Scott Romine here. We're talking with Billy Stallings, a spa guy. He has the Tiger Man Museum, Dojo and Museum over close to Graceland. And you were telling us, Billy, how you guys are able to offer small Elvis-related experiences that, that Graceland really can't accommodate due to their numbers, correct? 
Yeah, and I, I think that's fair. Well, one th- what I was going to tell you about is, is most people are familiar with the Jungle Room in Graceland. Sure. And it has kind of a jungle theme. And Elvis, by the way, never knew it as the Jungle Room. It was called the Den. The Jungle Room name happened after he passed away. Um, but in that Jungle Room, there's this very, very unique furniture that's made by a company called Whitco. W-I-T-C-O. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very expensive now. Uh, hard to find because it's so old. Um, but at Graceland, you can see that furniture, but you can't touch it. You can't sit on it. Well, I always wondered. I've seen that. You know, I've been to Graceland many times, and I've seen it, and I go, well, I wonder what it was like sitting there. What was that experience like? So in our museum, we actually have a, we call it the Tiger Den. Um with that exact same Whitco furniture from 70s, you know, 70s vintage sure. Whitco. It's the original stuff. But you can sit on our furniture. Oh, and look, so I don't cool. want people sitting on the furniture at Graceland because I want it to be there 50 years from now. Sure. But our furniture, when we wear it out, we can buy more. You know, but we want you to get the experience of what it was like. And you'll be surprised. I always thought this, that it was really, really hard furniture. It's not. It's so comfortable. I've slept on the couch before. It's when I tell you it's comfortable, it's more comfortable than, than most sofas that you would buy today. It was just very well built. Now, I paid a ton for it. I paid, we got um, two chairs, an ottoman, two end tables, and a couch that are all identical to the ones at Graceland. Same, you know, we, right. they're not remakes. They're from that time period. And they were, that was $8,000 I paid for that little bit. But I've always wondered where it. you could get that furniture. I didn't know it could be found. I thought it was custom. I spent a lot of time, brother. Um, I went, to, uh, Trey and I went and got the couch in Baltimore, Maryland, and of course filmed Elvis stuff going up there and Elvis stuff coming back. We went, we filmed uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. We filmed Roanoke. We filmed uh, uh, Baltimore. We filmed Richmond, Virginia. We filmed Washington, D.C. And on that trip. Sure. So anytime I go do stuff like that, I take an opportunity to film the Elvis stuff. Um, but we got the couch. I mean, we got the two, one of the chairs and an ottoman and two end tables from Florida. Um, and then we got one of the other chairs from Memphis. And one of them is, is really worn. And we always say that that was Lamar's chair. And anybody <laughs> knows Elvis history, that'll be funny. Um, if you don't know Elvis history, then it's probably not that funny. <laughs> what I love about your museum and what you do is, is you give an opportunity to shine the light on these people that are Elvis's cousins and friends and stuff that people that really are not part of the attraction at Graceland for, for whatever reason, I think Elvis is kind of treated like Walt Disney. He's almost kind of like a, a fictional character in a way. And you guys really humanize the guy by, you know, you're standing there talking to his cousin. I mean, it makes him a real Southerner, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, Joey lived at, you know, we were talking about him being a cousin. Joey lived at Grace. When Elvis died, he was 11 years old. And yep. he had lived there for a good part of his life. And can you imagine being a kid and living at Graceland? No. And being able to ride the golf carts and doing all those kinds of things. And he that you know, that was his life. He grew up that way. And he didn't live there the whole the whole eleven years because they would they would live like in apartments. They lived in apartments for a period of time and then Elvis bought that double wide and put it in the back. That was nineteen seventy four. 
And then when El- he bought it, he originally said he wanted it for himself to get away from people in the house. Mm-hmm. Then he stayed in it a few times and then decided that he wanted Billy and Joe and, and Joey and Danny to move in it. So they did. And, you know, so basically they lived in the backyard back there. And uh, we're real fortunate to have him as our GM. He's a great guy. He's a, a police officer by trade. Mm-hmm. That's how he makes a living. So he doesn't work full time yet. We just don't have enough. Uh, you know, enough uh, people coming yet to make it a full-time thing where we're working every day to the week, but we we plan on that. You know, we hope to get to that point. But they have but a Joey's, they uh, have YouTubes uh, as well, yeah. right? Memphis Mafia Kid and all that? Yes. Yeah, they have YouTube channels on there as well. Yeah. You know, one of the things I hope you can do one day, I'm just going to throw you out an idea, and, and maybe you've thought of it. If someone would replicate the upstairs of Graceland and allow... Yeah, I, and I talked about it in a video. Did and, you really? Uh, and we've done a little bit of that. Yeah, I talked about that. If you go back and look at my guest house at Graceland video, I, that's one of the questions I asked in that video. If if they replicated it, would you pay to see it? And well, sure. Most people say yes. Yeah, absolutely yeah. they would. Hey, in this last and year's... we replicated a little bit. You know, we replicated sure. the the Jungle Room. Now, we did my version of the Jungle Room. The Jungle Room is really large. Uh, ours is, is part of the museum. It's, it's actually it's designed to be an exit. Event, right now, it's the entrance, but eventually it'll become the exit. You know, when I designed the museum, I had it in plan, but we have an upstairs that's not finished yet. Once the upstairs is finished, that will become the the way you get out. Um, but the uh, the we've got somebody just donated to us. If you go in Graceland in the foyer on the right, there's a some people will call it a couch table. Yes, um, that has elephant heads on it. Yes, and we had someone uh, from Kentucky that contacted me and said, "Hey, I have that table." If you would like to have it, I'll bring it and donate it. So they brought it about, I think it was uh, not this past weekend, the weekend before. So we have that. So I think I'm going to work on creating a, uh, a remake of that little area with that table so you can get your picture made there. Oh, you know, that's And great. do some things like that. We just want to do things where people can... Um, can like I say, it's more of an experience to just look. Look, there's nothing wrong with what Graceland does. They, you know, it, I'm glad they're there. And if they weren't there, it wouldn't be any point in us doing a museum. Oh, it's you know, a great uh, thing. I, nobody you know. would come to that part of town. You know, it's not a great part of town. Um, but we want to give them. It's ours. We say is for the fans. I'm just an Elvis fan. My business partner's just an Elvis fan. We're not doing it to try to make a living. You know, we have other businesses. That's how we make a living. We're doing it because we're Elvis fans, and we want to have a place. And another thing we're doing, let me, let me mention two more things for August. Um, they have a – Graceland would always put a tent up every year. And I mean, when I say a tent, I'm talking about a literal tent, like an event tent. Yes, that's right. And they would have a stage, and people would come sing. And that was mm-hmm. always a thing for Elvis fans to be able to come hang out. Well, they quit doing it. Yeah, it was great. And so this year, we're going to have the tent at the dojo. We're bringing the tent back, and we're going to have it. It's free. You just come. People will be singing, and it's a place to hang out. And we're also, one of Elvis's girlfriends, a lady named Mindy Miller, will be speaking on that Sunday, which would be, what, the 14th? 
And uh, so we have tickets available for that as well. And she's going to talk about the spiritual side of Elvis. Well, that's fantastic. Hey, Billy, I want to get, uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. I want to get your thoughts on this new movie. I think the trailer looks incredible. And I really, my gut feeling is it's going to stir interest in Elvis and some youngsters. What did you think? Well, I mean, I think that that's the, the point of it. You know, I'm a I'm a uh, an Elvis purist, and what I mean by that is I want the story told the way the story really was, mm-hmm. and it never has happened ever. That's never happened, not in one movie ever. It's mm-hmm. just they never, they always mix things and do different stuff. And look, I understand for time you've got to mix mix some things, but there's some details that need to be the details. So for me, as a purist, I know it's not going to be great. It's going to, it's going to aggravate me. But but when you look at it, it looks beautiful. It does. It's going to be a beautiful movie. Um, And I think that it's. And and the thing is, is what I said. I did a video about this, and what I said in the video is, it's not for me. It's for the young people to get them fired up about it. Yes. And so I want them to get fired up, and then they come watch my videos and learn the real history, you know. And it's going to happen. Very much like you mentioned something earlier about you went to the Patsy Klein thing. Sure. Did you watch the Patsy Klein movie? I've seen it years ago, but I went there because of your YouTube. Right, but but there's a detail about this. You physically went there. Oh in yeah. The movie. You may not remember. He this, hits a. The they hit a cliff in the movie. I hit like a, a mountainside. That's exactly right. Did you see any mountains while you were No, running? it's a grass bunch of trees. Right. Yeah. So that's my point exactly. They do this in movies where they do that. Now, see, there's people today that think that Patsy Klein crashed into a mountain. Right. Not that that detail makes a hill of beans. It makes a hill of beans to me because I know what really happened. Hey, Scott Roman, hope you're having a great Saturday. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics of all time Elvis Presley and man the guy has tracked Elvis down better than pretty much anybody is uh, Billy Stallings the spa guy he's got a very popular YouTube channel how are you Billy I'm doing fantastic Scott how about you man I, it's great to talk to you I've I've watched so many of your YouTube videos and stuff over the years and your ability to document history especially with Elvis it's like you're Indiana Jones or something how, how did that get started well, uh, being an Elvis fan, you know, in the seventies <clears throat> as a kid, there's, you had to do everything by imagination. And what I mean by that is, uh, I fell in love with the Elvis story and, and really the only thing you had to learn more about the story was reading books or looking at magazines or looking at album covers and that kind of thing. So when I became an adult and able to actually go to these places, I realized that when you go to a place and you can put your eyes on it, it kind of brings those stories to life. It helps you to take things that you had to visualize as a kid when you were reading it. All of a sudden it becomes real to you. Like, uh, so I've kind of adopted that as a way of telling a story. I like to go to places where things happen and show you if there's photographs of it back then, show you what it looked like then, show you what it looked like now and then tell you the story and kind of try to bring it back to life. It makes and, it real. I mean, it makes all of that print stuff that you read, what you do 
it makes it a real thing when you're standing there looking at some wall that Elvis was photographed in front of or whatever. It's it's amazing how you bring these stories to life for everyone. And and it's the same thing for me. You know, I'm actually doing it because I want to see it. I just bring a camera along so everybody <laughs> else can see it too. <laughs> well, it seems like the whole internet is your friend, and you say. Hey friends. I mean, I love how you do that. Uh, I guess that's just a natural thing. That's your inclination to, you know, must be a Southern thing, you know, us Southern folks. That's what we do. Um, did you ever see Elvis when he was alive? I did not. No, sir. I've never, never seen him. Uh, I was, when he passed away, I was 12 years old and I got introduced to Elvis by a uh, neighborhood kid. That was a friend of mine. Uh, went over to his house. His name was Troy Robinson. And I went over to his house and he had this collection of albums and I never seen that many records before in my life. And they were all Elvis records. And he actually sold me the Aloha from Hawaii cassette for a dollar. And <laughs> I, I still it got home. it. Yeah, I do still have it. And I went home and popped it in the, you remember the old cassette players that you had that was uh, like a uh, uh, this, the, the little portable ones that you pop it in. And oh, like a, down. like a Walkman. Oh yeah. yeah oh, well, I know what you're talking about. The older style than that is larger than a Walkman. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I would lay with that thing in my bed with it up to my ear, listening to that concert. And I just fell in love with the music and then started learning the story and fell in love with the story. And, uh, and it just progressed from there. And I immersed myself in it, of course, at that time, but there really wasn't a lot that you could immerse yourself in. You know, uh, and then he passed away shortly thereafter. And when you went to the store, there was always magazines with all the stories in it, and pictures and things. So uh, every time I'd go to the store, I would buy another magazine. And that's how I learned the stories. You know, then I started going to the places to see the stories for myself. Billy, you'd be so proud of me for basically repeating your life story in some way. My son is 18. and he started going to bed at night watching Aloha from Hawaii, the DVD, when like two years old and up. And today he's got a radio, an Elvis radio show on three radio stations in Little Rock every Saturday. Wow, that's cool. So it's kind of cool that, you know, you had the cassette, he had the DVD. So years later, you run across the actual defibrillator used on Elvis, correct? Yes. And so what's happened is when I started making these stories, uh, people start contacting you and going, Hey, I know who this person is. I know where this item is. And those kinds of things started happening. So I got a, an email from, uh, a gentleman, his name's Mac McQueen and Mac, uh, told me that he had the defib paddles from Baptist hospital. He actually worked there when, uh, Elvis came into the emergency room there. And after they uh, uh, used the uh, uh, emergency room, the particular room that the defib paddles were in, he went in there and actually got the serial numbers of the machines and marked the paddles. And he followed those through the system until they aged out where they were going to discard them. It took him 16 years to get them. And uh, so I went and filmed the story with Mac, and that's when he told me that he had seen the ambulance. Um, a friend of mine, his cousin was one of the police officers that responded to Graceland. I've, I've been told, were they ever able to, to get a heartbeat or anything using any of this equipment? 
Well, according to um, Dr. Nick, um, he applied, when they were in the ambulance going over there, he put uh, epinephrine in to try to restart the heart and did compressions and all those kinds of things. And he says that they were getting signals. Um, now, what that means is that, you know, even after you pass, you can still, you still have electricity in your body. You know, your body's fired through electricity. Sure. And so they were getting um, traces of, of electrical uh, current, I guess is the, the right, right way to say it. Uh, but he never, to my knowledge, uh, and it depends on what story you believe. The, the reality is, is probably he was, uh, he had passed away before he was ever in the ambulance. That's what uh, I, but, I would, think. but it depends on who you believe and, and what part of the story you believe. But it's hard for me to believe that they transported him to the hospital because if you have uh, someone that's deceased, you're supposed to call the coroner. You're not supposed to move them. You're not supposed to transport them. But they made it all the way to the hospital, and they defibbed him and worked on him in the emergency room. And you generally don't do that with someone that is in um, what some people would, would say is rigor and uh, rigor mortis. And, um, you know, some say that he was in that state. Some say that he wasn't. So it's it all goes back to what you believe happened, you know. There's a very grainy video of an ambulance leaving Graceland, supposedly, I guess, the day we lost him. Is that authentic? Yes, that is an authentic uh, 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 video. And the way you can tell is they were there. I mean, the, what are the odds? And this blows my mind. What are the odds that someone was standing there with a video camera in 1977 to capture that. Oh, very few um, people had a video camera. Yet. It was, it was one of those things where you didn't, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't afford them. If you could, it was a big process to get to the point to be able to use it. They happened to have one running. And what it was is if you watch the video, there was a custom van and they were there to show Elvis the van or and some say they were there to give Elvis the van. They were waiting for him to get up. Oh, and wow. what happened was they're there filming the van and it's across the street. If you watch the video, you'll see the custom van. And the idea is, is they're standing there filming this custom van and an ambulance comes up. So they happen to turn the camera and they capture it going across. They capture it coming back out. And you even see they capture the door shutting up in front of Graceland and putting someone in and shutting the doors. And it's very grainy. As you mentioned, it's not very, very good at all. But I actually have some other photographs that we recently purchased for the museum that are from that same day from a different person. And they feature the same van. Um, they were there taking photographs and they happened to photograph the van. They happened to photograph the ambulance going in the gate, the ambulance coming down the driveway and the ambulance coming out of the gate. Wow. Um, and that's from a completely different person in a completely different part of the country. I guess people so, were standing out there all day, every day. I mean, oh, you know. of course. Yeah. And that's, that was, that's common today for you to drive up and there be 10 people out there. Uh, yeah, back true. then it was probably even more people because they thought they may get a glimpse of Elvis. Yeah. And no one had an iPhone, but still they're out there with Instamatics and I guess That's VHS right. cameras or whatever. we got to take a quick break here on Guatney Unplugged. We're talking with Billy Stallings, the spa guy from YouTube. We'll be right back here on 1029 KARN. 
Hey, Scott Romine here. We're talking with Billy Stallings. He is the spa guy. Look him up on YouTube. He has a fantastic YouTube channel, and he chases down a lot of historical things uh, related to Elvis Presley. So you've got this museum you're working on, which I am fascinated with. It's the Tiger Man Dojo and Museum, correct? Tiger Man Karate Dojo and Museum, yes, sir. And because Elvis was into karate very much, but there is some significance to this building, or, or, or did Elvis actually train there? Was it a dojo yes. at one time? Yes, this was, uh, if you ever see the photographs and the videos of Elvis doing karate on the red carpet, there's a lot of photographs of him in a building with white eye beams and then red carpet on the floor. Yes. Um, that is this building. And the way this came about, I have a business partner, his name's uh, Patrick Thompson. And the way this all came about is I filmed here to tell, just like I did other places, to tell the story of Elvis being in this building. I did before and afters and all that kind of stuff. And when we were done filming, I had a conversation with the owner, and he mentioned that they were thinking of retiring at some point. And I said, so does that mean the building is going to be for sale? And he said, yes, it's going to be for sale. And I said, well, when that happens, the day that that happens, you call me first. And he said, I will do that. So he called me in October or November of 2019. I'm going to say October and told me that it was for sale. And it took a little while for, for Patrick and I to put it all together. But we uh, started working on it in February of 2020 to to buy the building and to, to do all this. It, well, then COVID hit. Yes. So we put it off for a short period of time, about six months. We just waited because we didn't know what was going to happen. And then we finally took possession of this building in November of 2020. Are you close in relation to Graceland? If somebody's going to come over from Arkansas and see all of this stuff? We're two miles. Up, oh, wow. We're literally up the street. Yeah. So if you come off of I-55 onto Elvis Presley Boulevard, the very first intersection you come to, is Brooks Road. You turn right, we're two blocks on your left. One of the things you're going to have there is the ambulance that took Elvis to the hospital. Can you tell me about finding that and how you secured that for the museum? That is a fact. And uh, what happened is, uh, and of course, I had that long before we ever thought about doing a museum. But you didn't really uh, so reveal it, correct? When I found it, I bought it and I moved it to my business in Nashville and it stayed there indoors until we moved it back here recently, just, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, but what happened is I mentioned before the Mac McQueen story and Mac had mentioned that he had seen it. Um, and he gave me what he thought the people's last name was the street that he had, had seen the ambulance on. Um, and I went to Google, of course, found the, the closest last name, went to that house, knocked on the door. And a lady came to the door and I told her what I was doing. I had my business card with my number on it, you know, my YouTube card. And I told her and she was like, well, yep, it used to be here, but it's at my husband's brother's house, but he's passed away. So I'll have to talk to his widow to see uh, and get her to call you. And I was like, okay, great. So all day that day, I'm expecting a phone call. Well, a phone call never came. Mm. So the next day, you know, so anyway, over a long period of time, it took a couple of years. I kept going to that house and every time I would talk to them, they would mention that, uh, they would tell me, give me another clue. They would say, oh, well, well, she, she lives in such and such neighborhood. 
you know, and that <laughs> kind of thing. So what I did was went to that neighborhood literally during the winter when the leaves were off the trees and flew my drone over the neighborhood trying to find it. We, uh, I had a list of things planned to film. Well, one thing that I did not put on the list was going by that house because I had more or less given up on it. Sure. I've been so many times. I just thought, you know, you're bothering these people and, <laughs> and you just need to move on. So we turned out, it turned out we had a story that we filmed where Elvis dropped Rex Mansfield off in his limousine when they came back from, um, from basic training in Bartlett, Tennessee. Okay. So the house that we filmed that story at, we were able to go, I've been able to do this a couple of times. I was able to go to a person's house, knock on the door and go, did you know that Elvis was at your house? <laughs> and they had no idea. And I was wow. able to show them photographic proof that he was at their house. So anyway, when we got done filming that story, I told Trey, I said, that ambulance house is like three blocks from here. So we might as well ride over there. And so I went over there, got my card out like I always did, went knocked on the front door, and the lady came. And I said, I know you are tired of seeing me. And I apologize, but it is of the utmost importance that we find this artifact. Sure. And she said, you know, you kept coming and you kept knocking on the door and leaving those cards. And she said, I had a stack of them. And one day I was looking at them and I thought, hmm, I wonder what this guy does. So I pulled it out. I got on YouTube and looked at your videos and saw what you were doing. And I understand now why it's important and why you want to find it. Here's her name, address. This is where she lives. Wow. And we drove straight there, of course, you know. Yes. And, and uh, so we didn't know what we would encounter when we got there. So I pull up and the first thing I do is film. It's on, it's on a video. And we, I zoom in on it. So I at least have a record of it <laughs> in case they run us off, you know? Sure. Uh, but the lady was very nice. Her husband had passed away. Sadly, he was a Memphis city policeman that was an Elvis fan. And what happened is in 1991, somebody that knew that he was an Elvis fan called him and said, a fireman friend of his called and said, Hey man, that Elvis ambulance is coming through the cell. If you don't get it, the only other people that are there buying are people that salvage vehicles. So if you don't go get it, it's going to be salvaged. So he went and bought it and it sat in between his brother's yard and their yard for 27 years until I got it and put it inside. Uh, it basically sat in those two yards. Have you thought and, about um, restoring it or making it run or anything like that? Well, I mean, uh, I think, and of course we could restore it, but I think it tells you know, Elvis to a lot of people, including myself, almost is like a mythological character. Oh, no doubt. And I and I think that if if I make it pristine, it doesn't tell a story. I agree. If you if you let it be what it is, it tells that this was a real human being that that uh, you know, death is undefeated. Yeah. Uh, and uh it, with the exception of um Elijah and um uh, who, who's the other guy, Enoch in the Bible, uh, <laughs> death is undefeated. And, um, so all of us, uh, at some point will pass away, uh, if, you know, if the Lord tarries. And so I, I just believe that, that it tells more of a story if it's not pristine, you know, there's, there's a lot of pristine things that you can see at other places. I just believe that it's important to tell the story that he was actually a real person with real a real family and you're so um, right. That would be like bondoing the bullet holes in Bonnie and Clyde's car. You just exactly you just can't do that. 
you know? Yeah. Hey, will you get, we're about out of time. Can you tell everybody the website and the address and everything about where they can come see this museum? It's so exciting. Of course. It is uh, tigermandojo.com. And uh, we will be updating the site once everything is up and running, but we're planning on being open Saturday. The address is 3217 Lucyville Road, Memphis, Tennessee, 38116. And we will uh, have the ability to buy tickets on the website and that kind of stuff should happen tomorrow or the next day. Uh, I'm working on the websites and trying to get all that stuff finished. Billy, you realize that Elvis week this week, you're going to be swamped this this year. The museum yeah, will be parking. swamped. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen, man. People are itching yeah. to get out and go to events, and Priscilla's going to be in town, and man, you're going to have to have some parking. <laughs> you know, very exciting times. Thank you so much, Billy. Yes, sir. You're very welcome, and, and I, I appreciate you uh, uh, inviting